Like I often, um, there's this analogy that I use, which I've used to death. Like if any of my clients or people who've worked with me in the past are listening to this, they'll be like, oh, Monique, um, broken record. But people walk into my room and when I'm trying to explain to them this idea of lenses, I'll say, um, you know, you walked into the room and you sat on the chair. You didn't go to like sit on my desk or climb the wall or like sit down on the floor. You sat on the chair. It was automatic. You didn't think about it. And that's what you were doing in every area of your life. Mm-hmm. So your memory is constantly informing how you're reacting in your relationship, what you're saying, how you're behaving, what you're doing, what triggers you, what soothes mm-hmm. you. So let's get in tune with that and mm-hmm. actually connect around it together. To reason with someone is to motivate them to do or accept topics, ideas, and issues through discussion and having conversations. This podcast is about the relationship with ourself and the relationship with others, finding our stability in our self-worth and how do we actually be in healthy relationships. We find this out through connection, compassion, and communication. Reach out, connect with me, like, subscribe, comment. I want to unpack whatever it is that we can to really get to the nitty and gritty of finding out how do we get better in ourselves and how do we get better in our relationship. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. No, no, no. No, he needs to know. Remember me before you just haven't met you yet. Three, two, one. Reason with me podcast. Welcome back. Today I've got Monique Harding. She's a clinical mental health social worker and couples and family therapist. She specializes in all things relationships. She uses a family systems lens to support people in developing practical and sustainable tools with a focus on creating more conscious awareness, breaking intergenerational patterns, and promoting mental and relational well-being. Monique offers a range of group therapy experiences and courses under the Relatable Therapist on Instagram, alongside her bricks and mortar therapy practice on the Gold Coast. Super excited about this one. Let's go. Monique, welcome to the podcast. I finally got you on board. This is so fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was so looking forward to this. Who knows what's gonna happen, but well, let's just let's just see what see where we go. Love um, it. Let's lean in, hey? Yeah. Friday <laughs> afternoon, lots of high energy for me. Um, how's your day? Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. I've had a few clients this morning and I've actually just come out of a two-hour boundaries masterclass. So yeah, right. I'm right. I'm in chatty mode. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. I can I can roll with that. All right, well, we're definitely going to touch on that at some point, but why don't we start with who the hell are you and what do you do? Sure. Um, love this question. <laughs> I wear many hats. My name is Monique Harding. I am a mental health social worker and a clinical family therapist. I'm based on the Gold Coast. And I guess professionally, I've kind of got these two arms going at the moment. Um, I have a, what would you call it? Like an online um, processing and like, I guess, transformational program um, 
group or, or container, which is called the Relatable Therapist, which I run a program currently called Make Peace With Your Past. Mm-hmm. And then I have my bricks and mortar psychological counselling practice, uh, which is all relationship-focused therapy. Um, and I see clients in the practice in Burley and then also online. Hey. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I found you. I don't even, I don't even know. But it, you just eventually popped up onto <laughs> into my world on my Instagram. Yeah. So Relatable Therapist has been very relatable to me for quite some time. Um, and I love your content. It's so fun. And I have not been able to get this song out of my head all day, your latest post. And I think, like, I want to start there. Like, I didn't know you up until now. So I've got a lot of like curiosity. Is this like, tell me about it. It's so authentic and yeah. just you, I guess. But yeah, can you talk, talk, talk me through it? Yeah. Like, well, it's super intentional, I guess, to have things that way. Um, I've, I feel like I've always been, I don't know what I would consider like a bit of a disruptor in the space. Like I really reject the idea of this clinical clunky Mm -hmm. psychology world. Um, I don't think it serves people. I don't think it fits in our current like social media world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And I know like people particularly of, you know, even my demographic and and younger are looking for more authentic connections. They want to see the real you. They want to know your quirks. They want to feel connected. Um, and of course, still in a really like ethically responsible way. But I think that there's a way that we can do that with the both and rather than just like being this like old school blank slate. Um, yeah, just that has just never been for me. I couldn't agree more. That's exactly sort of where I'm at. And, you know, yeah. that's not going to serve everyone. I'm sure no. there's a 70-year-old man that really wants to work on his anger that just is never going to talk to me, you know, and I'm, yeah. okay that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. <laughs> Good. Um, but, yeah, you definitely inspired me. I um, I love how confident you are with some of your goofy videos and I've just stepped into that world as well and I'm just like, yep, who cares? And it's educational and it's a bit, bit of fun. I don't think people yeah. take their mental health or recovery with enough joy and like bring yeah. back into it. I think like curiosity is playful, right? And if we're not like they kind of fit really nicely together and I think that's where perhaps like me bringing that more like goofy side of myself or like my um <laughs> yeah my interesting dance moves or like those like weird and wacky ideas that I have to the space I mm. hope that it it translates into that it translates to people being a bit more curious with themselves to their reactions to their biases to their conditioning um it almost like opens up like this accessibility I think because it creates that almost like that mirror um through the content and the way that it's portrayed yeah I was literally just talking to my roommate about you know I'm really excited about to have Monique on my podcast and and I was talking about your content she's like so it's pretty much like a mirror and I was like okay yeah (laughs) 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 okay yeah I hear you we're both really fun and out there you know sparking (laughs) some curiosity for people so yeah I um 
Yeah, I guess. You're like talking to the female version of you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm I'm very drawn to that and I love that energy. So that's that's fun. I'm talking, hopefully people are going to now hopefully go on your Instagram and see what all the fuss is about. Oh, gosh. (laughs) um, But, yeah. Um, So I, you know, very intentionally chose to speak with you. Um, we both work with the relationship-based work and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm just really passionate about that and really trying to step into a bit more focus on what does that mean for us because I think our society just doesn't quite, you know, have the right ideas around all of it because we are only, we only got what we've been taught from our parents and they've only got what they were taught from their parents. And I think along the way, um, we had a lot of things we not, we might now need to unlearn. Yeah. Um, so you're working with quite a lot of couples, so people that are in relationship. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't work with a lot of couples, so I'm keen to hear more, like what are, what are you finding that I guess everyone's different, but is there is there some themes, is there some commonalities to the work of relational world? Yeah, and I guess... Um... I think like through my family therapy training, I probably think about the dynamics between people, the issues that people are presenting with slightly differently because I'm always more systemically minded rather than individually focused. You know, even if I'm sitting with an individual, I kind of think like I'm doing couples work with themselves. Like often people will say that to me. They'll leave a session. They're like, I felt like I was in couples therapy with myself. Because they're relating to different parts, right? Like we might be moving around the room doing some kind of like chair work or parts work or connecting with like wounded child. Or um, So it's kind of the similar from a relationship therapy or couples therapy, um, yeah, basis. Yes, the main difference though is when I have a couple coming to see me, I always think about the relationship being my client. Mm-hmm. So I'm less... Uh, I guess I'm less in, inclined to align with either party and more interested in what's going to be mutually helpful, beneficial for what's happening between them. And I think that's a really helpful lens to keep in mind because it's still the sim- same issues as what you're talking about, right? Like people are, um, they, you know, you image in your relationship that which you most need to heal from your past. Like yeah. We know that. We know that from like research and there's evidence around it. Imago like theory, Imago therapy is based all around that. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it's almost like a lot of my work is helping people unlearn that your partner is not you and you are not them. And that's your biggest issue. It's just you need to acknowledge that reality is totally subjective. Mm-hmm. But it's wild to me that the majority of people don't, know that we're not taught that and it's almost like I think once you work in this field for a really long time we become almost um products of our own conditioning right of being therapists and you forget that other people don't know that that they don't actually realize that the way that they're experiencing something is not the same as you yeah and vice versa whereas like I just assume that all the time I'm just constantly curious about everyone (laughs) yeah yeah, I'm the same. Like I often, um, there's this analogy that I use, which I've used to death. Like if any of my 
clients or people who've worked with me in the past are listening to this, they'll be like, oh, Monique, um, broken record. But people walk into my room and when I'm trying to explain to them this idea of lenses, I'll say, um, you know, you walked into the room and you sat on the chair. You didn't go to like sit on my desk or climb the wall or like sit down on the floor. You sat on the chair. It was automatic. You didn't think about it. And that's what you were doing in every area of your life. So your memory is constantly informing how you're reacting in your relationship, what you're saying, how you're behaving, what you're doing, what triggers you, what soothes mm. you. So let's get in tune with that and mm. actually connect around it together. That's so true. I can't wait for the one day that someone comes and just like flips the chair upside down and sits on. <laughs> <laughs> Where you been? <laughs> you're like, I'm changing it up. Watch me unwire my brain. Um yeah, that, I love that analogy. I, I'm probably going to steal that. Thank you, Monique. <laughs> sure. uh, <laughs> steal um, away. So true, though. So true. I think the analogy I use is it's like we've been working out this particular muscle mm. forever. And now it's like just so strong that this other guy is trying to change the script and change the neural pathways for us to try and do things a little bit different. Hasn't worked out ever and then yeah. they can fight and these big guys are always going to win so you know it's super habitual we're super patterned and we i mean for me when i stepped into my recovery i was like so everything that i was doing was i thought was functional is was dysfunctional yeah know? and i'm like oh now i've got to learn how to speak a new language you know walk a new walk and act in a different, like, more like a corrected way. That's a lot for people. So confronting when you put it that way, isn't it? And that's the true experience, I think, of therapy, of self-discovery, of, you know, un unpacking your past. Like, it's very, very confronting. Hmm. And, and then I think we give ourselves a hard time, like, why... You know, it only took me six months to learn how to ride a bike. Why is it taking me, you know, so long to figure out how to stop dating the same emotionally unavailable person? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. So much self-judgment, right, right. when there's that familiarity, like bias there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think also there's a piece of, um, I don't know what you would call it, like I guess it's almost like a translation process, right, because let's just go with couples as an example. Like people don't come in going, well, I have childhood trauma and they're misunderstanding me. So we need to be able to unpack it and find some language to be able to soothe each other and find that sweet spot between what I'm responsible for and what they're responsible for. Like, they, like that's not the, the dialogue. It's we need to work on communication or we're fighting all the time, or there's been an affair or an infidelity, like that's the majority of my work. Yeah. Um, and so that can take some time, you know, a lot of sessions to yeah. translate it into, well, hey, there's actually this past stuff that's feeding into all of your patterns that you're stuck in now. So unless we go back there, you're going to stay dancing here, like your yeah. choice. Absolutely. And then you know, the ticket's there and, and they got to really figure out if they're going to come. come. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I totally respect why people don't. It's a hard, hard show to show up for a lot of the time. Yeah, I uh, get fired a lot as a couples therapist, a lot. Yeah. 
And I'm totally okay with that because it's not my job to be people's friends. Yeah. Like sometimes it is that you shine the hard truth um, in a time where you think that they might be ready for whatever reason they're not, they're not ready, but perhaps I've perturbed that system enough that then in future when they are ready that they'll be able to re-engage back with either myself or someone else. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I work in a, in a trauma treatment centre down here in Sydney and um, people come in going, you know, I want to give up drugs. And yeah. then they leave being like, oh, I'm, I'm codependent. I have a wounded child. Yes. I have this way of adapting. Everything that I do is related to um, what my experience was when I was growing up. And then I talk to my friends like, it's probably, it's probably trauma. It's probably trauma. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I could see that there's people that are traumatized. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm saying the wrong word to you people. But mm. you, we all have wounds and we all have something and that's that that plays out in everywhere that we go and in 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 any way and especially in relationships because that's some of our attachment stuff right yeah i'm you know get on the soapbox and explain this all day every day but i love it (laughs) yeah and i think sometimes that's where you know i know one of the things that um people probably come to see me for or um, why I might be you know recommended through referral pathways is because I'm very behavioral in that way so Mm. yes I'm big on the self-understanding piece but then I'm like okay well what's your one percent like don't sit in the understanding like what are you gonna do now (laughs) like like we've got to come up with the behavioral mechanism to sit alongside a deeper you know psycho like analysis or like a deeper psycho-awareness of where this has come from Hmm. yeah because otherwise it's debilitating quite frankly 100 and that that's where that like without that there's no integration no exactly yeah my favorite word yeah (laughs) i always say (laughs) always say like self-awareness is like a double-sided mirror and you're the one looking in on you sitting yep. down being interviewed banging on the mirror being like we know this remember remember this is and they're just sitting there like yeah i'm not sure um i've got i've got an idea but i'm not gonna do anything with it so it's yeah. like cool this is where you know you know affirmation like saying i am good enough in a mirror i'm good enough i'm good enough i'm good enough I'm going back out into the world and not putting it into action yeah this is well you're right i think it is dangerous but it's also like redundant if that's what you're doing absolutely I've come up with this um I guess it's like a like a model um because I like you I do a lot of work in like relationships and you know self-worth I guess and then clinically trauma anxiety would probably be like my two you know go-tos um and I was thinking a lot about self-worth recently and I've been like researching and looking into the different kind of you know models that exist there and none of them have quite encapsulated it for me quite right and so I've come up with this like self-worth puzzle that I need to like infographic somehow but because I think it's like so it's self-understanding deep self-understanding yeah not just like oh this comes from this age this happened to me but in the moment I'm catching my wounded child responding like "Uh," right So it's like past understanding, but also the present awareness and being able to meet it in the moment. 
Then we've got like self-kindness, self-compassion. I think about them separately though. Everyone puts them together. Like self-compassion to me almost seems like the mindset piece and self-kindness is the behavioral act of how I'm relating to myself when I'm not showing up in the best way. But then the piece that no one ever talks about is self-leadership. What am I doing? Like how am I actually like you know, almost advocating for myself? How am I, um, yeah, how am I showing up for myself day to day? Am I sticking to my word? When I set a goal, do I commit to that goal or do I put everyone else before me? Like, and I think that's often where a lot of my clients like struggle the most is that translation into behavior. And it just seems to get missed all the time. And then we've got all of these people like, oh, I just really struggle with self-work. Do you and, see and what I mean? Like, I don't know. What do you think of my model? I don't like it. <laughs> Off the record, we didn't record it. Now all these other people like, share the love. This is amazing. This is yes. so good. I really like it. I think you're so right, though, and, and this is, you know, hopefully this lands for some people that are listening, is I, I'm running a trauma group at the moment every week, and they want to go deep. They want to really unpack it, you know. Get, get it all out there and lay it out there and just hang out the dirty laundry in the hope that they'll be able to integrate and be able to sort of transform their lives. And then I just did a video about this, and I think it's what you're talking about, that self-leadership, is they just don't have things that are non-negotiable in their life that they have yeah. to in order to keep themselves well. It's, yeah. you know, for me it's like a top six list and then I've obviously got a bunch more things that I do to keep filling myself up. But if I miss yeah. any of those non-negotiable things, I notice. And what the first thing to go for me is how do I feel about myself, which is my self-worth. And that mm-hmm. is my self-leadership. And I think, you know, these, these trauma clients and this big group that I was running, it's like we're going to keep struggling if we can't even get that, like, that in a routine, that in some structure. Yes. Self-care, yeah. really, really whatever works for you. So for me, like gym, yoga, bit of good sleeping at a good time, singing mm. and dancing in my car, um, yeah. meditation and some connection with my friends. Like super simple, can't miss yeah. it. Really accessible, like easily integrated into your week. And I think like that's that, I guess that's like, an accountability to yourself, sure. isn't it? Absolutely. Right? And it's so interesting as you were speaking then, like I'm very visual and I was almost like picturing this group and I just had this like almost flashback to when I did my narrative therapy training. Yeah. And Michael White talks a lot about, he doesn't use this language, but I'm going to like muck it up. But um, it's almost like having a soft place to land. So it's taking like a riverbank position, right? So yes, you're going to dive into the river with all of these people in this group that you're facilitating and they're all in it. But then where's their riverbank for when the river gets too rough? Mm. Like you Mm -hmm. have to have that. And your six things uh, (laughs) are your riverbank. (laughs) Sorry, if you didn't see the visual, that's going to sound really weird, but I was waving my hands around like an idiot. Um, let's turn it into a real six things. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, love it. Mm. Um, but that's what keeps like you need a soft place to land when you're doing the heavy work. You can't just dive headfirst in, right? Like yeah. mm. you'll drown, right? And I think that people think that that's what they want. They want to be able to just yeah. go down the river and then um, they'll be all good. And a lot of the time. Or that they 
don't need to have any self-discovery and they just keep going full speed down the river without you know any life jackets I guess yeah absolutely um and and, I I wonder if that's like a trauma response in a way though like because I'm super curious about that it almost sounds like you know you've sat in avoidance for so long or at least like subconsciously you know you haven't had that awareness around wanting to process this or where it even comes from because often like you know trauma if we're coming at it from a lens of like addiction and behaviorally the focus is going to be on that it's not going to be on what's actually fed into the need to be actualized in that way so if we've been in avoidance all really that's happening then is we're pendulum swinging to the other extreme of almost like you're pursuing right and so you're pursuing it so heavily and strongly and that's where I guess like yours your job my job is to And often a lot of people don't like it because you want to get in there. You want to do the work, but where the paces, right? We're like, Hey, like we're like your safety guy on the bike track. Like, you know, just come on back. Where's your six things? Like, yeah. Um, that's, I know that's often helpful for people though. That analogy of like, when you've sat in an extreme for so long, like, you pendulum swinging to the other end of the spectrum is actually not helpful. You'll end up pendulum swinging back. We need to find that safe territory of integration that sits in the middle first as to what that looks like. Set that and then we can start to move forward. As you're saying this, all I can hear in my head in is boundaries and boundaries and boundaries. <laughs> and with because without without some internal you know, limitations for ourselves or holding ourselves to being, you know, don't go too much or too far in our emotions or, or for, you know, that external boundary with others when we're yeah. sort of, you know, indulging too much or enabling or whatever is that, of course, the, you know, all these analogies we're saying, I'm kind of losing track, but like, of course, the boat's going to get a bit rocky or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, we, we don't have this accountability boundary piece. So this is all fresh in your head. Can yeah. you can you give me some some little snippets of today's little boundary talk? Like some people yeah. think boundaries are literally like a bloody boundary where you know that's that's the out boundary in an AFL game or something. Um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, so true. I think the language is really important, isn't it? Like that is the initial, and I know initially when because to be honest, like boundaries is like a relatively. Um, it's not that it's a new concept. It's that it didn't get a lot of airtime 10 years ago, right? Like now it's everywhere um, and everyone has their own interpretation of it. But I think the most helpful way that I think about boundaries is that it is the way that we teach other people how to treat us, yeah? So it's both relational and self-focused at the same time. I guess the third component, though, of it is that it directly feeds our sense of self-worth and our sense of self-love. Because if you think about when if you're showing up in relationship and someone is constantly saying hurtful or harmful things to you and you're choosing, and it may not feel like a choice in the moment, I get that, but you are choosing to stay quiet, what does your, how does your subconscious make sense of that? So that that other person is more important than me. I am worthless. These are the little 1% behaviors each and every day 
that you can start to work on it and it will have a radical transformational effect to your relationship with yourself, right? So it's almost like, (laughs) it's almost like there's, (laughs) there's the boundaries relationally. And today we like talk through all sorts of like communication ideas on like, you know, tiering what's accessible and how do you communicate a boundary in a direct way as opposed to a bit more of a a softer way, Mm. um, language, all that kind of stuff. Um, However, like what we ended up circling back to was around exactly what you were talking about before, the boundaries with self. Like, well, if I'm not not showing up for myself and I'm self-abandoning in the moment to something that's actually really important to me that I'm aware of now, that's the crippling part, Mm-hmm. Um, then yeah. I'm never going to be able to set a boundary with another person. Is, oh, yeah, that is, that's it. That's the, that's yeah. the maker, right? I think people, you know, they disguise boundaries as walls and they just put their walls up um, when it comes to other people. And I think those people that, you know, struggle with boundaries or, you know, they're too harsh or they're not clear enough or they're non-existent or they, mm. you know, they're kind of, they want the other person to have read their mind about what their boundary was. That one comes yes. up. Is yeah. Or whatever category that you sit in is well, what are your boundaries with yourself? Yeah, you know? absolutely. You might have one and be like, all right, this is the last piece of chocolate that I have today. That's some mm-hmm. sort of boundary that you're creating. Yeah. Yourself. But I'm I'm talking about that internal boundary is when I am rejected and I yep. stay in my shame. What I think about me is I'm not good enough and I feel terrible. Mm. I go back to that way of thinking about me. Yeah. And that share with myself is a reminder and a boundary to say, you don't like this place. Let's not Mm. do more in here. Let's not tolerate this a little bit like more than we have to. And this is my reminder and this is my check. We get better at doing that. Then, yeah, boundaries might come a little bit easier when when they come to to other people so I love that you circled back to that in the in the group today and I think I think so as well like yeah it's it's so interesting to me that it's become so separate and one of the people in the class asked a really like useful question I think because um, they were focusing in a bit more around well um, you know what if um, that person doesn't kind of doesn't meet my need or meet my request and I thought, well, that's so helpful. You know, we've been talking around this for two hours, but there's still this kind of misconception that a boundary is like your first point of call, whereas I don't think about it in that way at all. I'm like, before you even get to the relational kind of boundary stuff, there should be like almost like a feelings and needs kind of processing conversation. And that's ideally where we go, right? Like that's where the, you know, that's where the growth is. You know, you really want to be able to talk through like, you know, hey, Jackson, I'm feeling this way. You know, the other day when I heard you say this to me, it made me feel really like lonely and rejected. And then you can then come back to me and kind of make sense of it from your perspective and validate mine. And then we're both like, sweet, great. Um, But then the, yeah, beautiful. But the boundary is like, that's when you kind of get to the point where it hasn't worked Mm. in this previous. It's not a request. It's that you've gotten to a point where you're so like unheard or frustrated or you're feeling so much hurt there that it doesn't matter how they respond to it. You have to stay firm. It's not about them Mm. and you requesting something of them. It's actually about you. 
if it's about them, it's an ultimatum. It's not a boundary. Absolutely. If there's expectation and, you know, sharing, sharing a boundary with expectations around these boundaries, manipulation. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, you talking about the self stuff, perhaps the majority of our boundaries really should be more around ourselves and less about the others. Cause it's almost then like, then we'd be better off having those like processing conversations because we're more in control of ourselves and aware of our emotions. If I had boundaries with myself in my past, when a red flag would come up, I wouldn't close my eyes and pretend like I couldn't see them. Like, mm. and then just stay. And then realize yeah. when it all become this little mess in my life and in my relationship that I'm like, oh, it must be all their fault. It's like, you, you, you stayed. You stayed. Yeah. You yeah. not to see the red flags, yellow flags, and definitely didn't choose to communicate that this is becoming a bit of a problem for you to myself or to them. Yeah. I think all of us who are more relational focused therapists need to get better talking about this in this way, because my impression is that the dominant rhetoric around there is that boundary other. Right. And I think it's very misunderstood. People find it hard and they're rupturing their relationships because of it. Hmm. Again, it's just perpetuating this like, I as myself, other people, blame on others rather than how we actually integrate the two together and take more self-leadership and self-responsibility. Yeah, and and I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's the boundaries of self-protection, right? We're trying to protect ourselves and we're actually trying to protect other people from ourselves at times as well. You know, mm. we don't want to be a victim, but we actually don't want other people to be victim to what, what we have to do. So true. Um, and I think it does go both ways. And we're definitely not aware of that. And we switch from perpetrator to victim, rescuer, whenever we feel like it, because we don't have awareness and we can just do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I do, and I super agree with you. I think that, you know, some of this stuff, like, I've been like preaching the simplicity of some of this. I think you said it before. Mm. Just needs. We 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 struggle so much as a society with our needs because, yeah, I guess because of our past and what we've experienced and what we're expected to have and what we shouldn't be feeling or whatever. Um, yeah. Just plain and simple. We when we're hungry, we eat. We're tired, yeah. sleep. Yeah. It makes sense. But when we're in emotion, we go. When I'm in anger, I eat. You know, when I'm in pain, I eat. When I'm in yeah. shame, I drink. Like we go, yeah. we, we, we see the need and we do something that gives a short-term relief rather than going, you know, when I'm in pain, I need nurture and comfort for myself. And then yeah. I go in an effective way. Like yeah. I'm just trying to simplify the process and get humans. And I think the way you talk about it so I'm so grateful that that's where you're aligned to. It's just like, let's just figure out what we need first. We don't have to get to this point where we're laying down the law and our boundaries just to protect ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I think there's maybe a bit of this post-COVID era too. Like I've definitely noticed that, um, you know, people seem to be more inclined to see other people as like a threat, like in a way, which makes a lot of sense, right? Like that's like, yeah. How many years, three years has it been now of like conditioning of us being like scared of other people and our um, our connection, like that's all been rewired, right? Like that has a big impact on how we all connect as humans. Um, 
And so I think like there's almost like, yeah, it's been so interesting being in practice during this time and observing, you know, how people are interacting with each other in different ways and the impact that those societal things that happen around us have on our intimate relationships. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how I got to COVID, but there oh, we I, I think, well, <laughs> well, yeah, I think you, what you're trying to say is that it's like created this, this, this threat or this, this fear around our relationship. And I think add on like all our attempts at relationships or the type of connection that we're looking mm. for. I think we're a bit more ruthless and cutthroat about yes. who we spend time with. And I think which, which actually, I think really disconnects us from potential really nice opportunities for connection. And mm. I think even though time has been so warped for me, yeah. and I know a lot of people are like, yeah, where the last two years have gone, it's like, was it three months? Was it four years? Like people just don't know. But now yeah. they're in a hurry and there's like, it's everything's got to be fast paced. It's like, I want marriage now. I want the right guy today. You know, I yeah. block and ghost all these people because, you know, I'm on this ticking time bomb. We've lost two years. Mm. I can up. And then now people are a bit, I, f- I find not just in therapy, but just in walking around the community, people have got a bit more speed to them in like, Got to, got to achieve this now. Like I've been missing out. I've been missing out. I need pregnant, mm. you know. Whatever. So true. Yeah, there's like a rush, isn't there, I guess, because like to a certain degree so many things have been a little bit harder to achieve during okay. this time because of the the restriction that we've experienced. What Where, where my my heart goes to, I mean, I'm a, I'm a single man and, you know, Times are tough. COVID's a big old cock block. Mm. Um, but, <laughs> but excuse me. But the uh, the reality is, is there's a lot of like 32, 33 year old women right now that are also not in relationship and haven't been able yeah. to get effectively done on Tinder that literally have ticking time bombs within them. And I yeah. can imagine the two year, you know, strain. I've talked a few mm. times in that age group, but it's like, ah, oh, oh, my, oh, my heart, like, yeah, must be so hard. And they don't want to come off in this way that's like so frantic and like desperate, or I need to get pregnant in six months, you know, but I haven't yeah. even that one person. Like, oh, that makes me. I sad. think it's like in, yeah, like you definitely feel for that group of people, right? Because like the, yeah, dating has been like <laughs> nothing, hasn't it? You know, <laughs> very articulate. Ugh, can't yeah. find the word, but um, I wonder if almost that tra- has translated a little bit relationally too. That obviously, like people were confined in their homes with their partners, so there was a added intensity brought to the relationship, and also almost like this hypersensitivity to the void or the things that aren't present or the not good enoughs. And I don't know, like just in these last um, little while as we've started to ease out of restrictions and I have noticed that there's been like this kind of pressure to get relationships right. And I don't know if that's necessarily like the season of the people that I've been seeing in terms of the age group that they're in, but there's def- there's a definite urgency like couples therapy used to be viewed as a bit more of like a longer term process, whereas it's now like four sessions. What do you got? Oh, I'm so glad you said that because this is the vibe that I've been getting. Like, 
in our society, but then also in within the microscope of the sessions that that I'm yeah that, you know, and I think that you know it probably does speak to the rest of our our little world is everyone's yeah. in, in a bit more fast paced urgency, and there's one thing you know life and definitely in Sydney you know big old city everything's always been fast paced and I yeah and it but don't you try and bring therapy into this therapy's never going to be fast paced out there you? you know like people starting to be like okay quick fix quick please 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 what's this gonna do yeah we're gonna do it I'm ready you know I'm like okay yeah whoa, 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 whoa. you know slow down people yeah. Look, I take the scenic road where, you know, where possible, but it's often the long road because it's necessary. Like Absolutely. that's just how it is. That's the process. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, then we get the, are, you, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Like you just yeah. we get there, you're going to feel <laughs> really good. Oh, yeah. That is funny. Oh, man. I think that, yeah, we've done a lot of backflips and somersaults <laughs> kind of predictable yeah. it's like shiny object syndrome yeah. <laughs> yeah. this little train of thought Ooh. <laughs> um but That's yeah life though right it mirrors life like it's never seamless and flowy and you know perfectly curated despite what we might think it's exactly right and i guess speaking of that and i, I know that's a big part of um, therapy, but you know, we 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 show up. We got to be authentic. We do our best to be genuine in you know walk the walk as well as talking. Mm. Well. Um, what what allows you to have like a, a good solid foundation of self worth or or healthy relationship? That's a humongous question. I'm so sorry. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> and I'm not going to reword it. You just. Do with it what you will. I love it. Um, it is a humongous question. And I think, I mean, probably similar to you, like I have a huge awareness over my responsibility of self. Um, you know, I don't look to other people to be responsible for me emotionally, um, to, you know, necessarily meet needs which I believe should be my own and I guess in that way like I am incredibly I don't know what you would call it self-disciplined or self-leading but I'm one of the two um but I think because you I don't know I've developed this hyper awareness there's certain practices like my morning journaling for example I know I'm hugely thinky like I'm a big thinker like I sit in my head and think 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 so I've got a tendency to think through rather than to move through things I express preferences a lot, but I don't make decisions. And I'm so aware of that within myself. It's almost like I know that part. And I think because of all of the, you know, obviously it's the work, right? It's like all of the internal family systems work I've done and the therapy like over the years, like God, like and still continues. Like it's a constant unraveling. And I wonder if there's a piece though here of mindset and lens which is that I'm constantly curious about myself. I don't have a fixed version of myself. If you were to say to me, like, who are you? I could give you, like, a bit of a rough idea as to who I am today, but I'm totally open to that changing tomorrow. (laughs) And I'm kind of welcome that. Like, I love that, that I might learn something new about myself tonight. I might meet some new trigger or I might meet something else that, like, brings me joy or excitement or... 
Um, you know, even we were just talking before about this previous like episode that you had done about an area which is like totally new to me. And I was like, oh, I'm so curious about that. I can't wait to listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I know like I can feel the excitement in me. Like I love newness. I love like I love putting myself out of my comfort zone just enough to almost like create that belief that I'm like I'm resilient. I trust myself that I can transform if need be. So life doesn't scare me, I guess, in that way. That's incredible. And <laughs> I love that. Actually, How's my unprepared answer? I don't even know if that made sense, but I'm sure yeah. you can write that down. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting here on my notes. Yeah, yeah. No, you've actually given me an awesome gift and hopefully some uh of the listeners as well. I'm a thinker too. I mean, it is all yeah. I got I got ideas coming out every side of me. Like yeah. um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start a parent's course and I'm not a parent, you know, like <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm just getting them all day. And I, and I love that. It's just like, maybe if I put some of that down in, mm. in the morning ritual and just let it tease it out and then just sit with it and grow and have curiosity around whether or not that translates into anything. But yeah. yeah. It's very noisy up in here, up in this big noggin of mine. Super noisy. And uh, honestly, I think like that, you know, journaling practice, like that's just a total non-negotiable for me. I know everyone has their thing. Like morning exercise, I'm like a 5 a.m. Um, like I go do my exercise, it's like half an hour, love it, come back, sit on my deck. I live amongst the trees and I journal every morning. And it's always got a part of like my like I'll have two prompts every single morning which will say something along the lines of um vulnerable child has felt which is like my past part and then protector mode I've noticed has been so I'm constantly protector mode I've protector mode yeah because I have this habit Jackson of stepping into this angry protector when I feel really vulnerable and it's just not Oh, it doesn't serve me. And then there's other times where I meet it in like a much healthier way, right? Right. Um, But like I love talking to my different parts. It's so good. I've got a very similar, I sort of look at it like, you know, my wounded child has little tantrums and then my big adolescent Mm -hmm. teenager me goes, well, here's what we're going to do about it. And, you know, it's just dysfunctional as my little vulnerable. (laughs) Um, Trying to like save the day with his closed fists. Um, but, I'm, but I think the difference is, and this is what I would love the listeners to take away, is we're not trying to get rid of those parts. No. We're just trying to override them and True. meet them in the moment with compassion and kindness and what perhaps they didn't get back then. Yeah. Right? And There's no judgment that they're there. Yeah. I mean, I kind of judge them in a really <laughs> in a fun, sarcastic way. I'm like, um, excuse me. What are you doing back here? Yeah, same, <laughs> same. Yeah, same. But that's helpful. Like oh, helps. diffuse the shame with humour, right? Like 100%. I mean, it's. Love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so good. So I could talk to you <laughs> so long. Oh, God. It is Friday afternoon. We should probably wrap it up. Um, But <laughs> I'm already just, I've got a couple of people in mind that I think would really benefit for some of these courses that you're doing. So um i don't know do you want to give me like a quick or give everyone a quick um insight 
one minute summary of the yeah. program you're doing online and, and what people yeah. find with that and then we'll yeah so yeah. that would be your best way to be supported and to work with me at the moment because um, I'm not currently taking on clients in my private practice. And I guess like it kind of speaks to, you know, some of the biases that you were alluding to at the start that people can sometimes think that they need this like individual therapy, whereas the group container is the most transformational process because your subconscious is constantly listening. It will hear what it needs to hear in other people's stories and you will all act as mirrors to each other of things that you perhaps didn't even know about yourself or that was so unseen. So the Make Peace With Your Past program, it's it's a 12-week um, program container. It involves fortnightly sessions with me and weekly support via a platform called Voxer, where I'm available to be, I guess, riffing with you back and forth on some of the work that you're doing to keep that self-leadership practice in place. So rarely would I see someone in my private practice that intensively. They wouldn't get that much access to me, right? And then in the background, they are well, they, you, would be working through the six portals of self-healing simultaneously and each session is then focused around one of them. I don't teach in the sessions. We do practical integration exercises. We do tapping, mindfulness, meditation, inner child healing, um, guided imagery, all sorts of different really sweet, cool tools, and then you follow them up with integrations outside. So it's such an incredible amazing transformation of self-discovery that just leads to the most like impenetrable self-worth. I'm so passionate about it. Oh my God. This sounds, you're like me, you know, two years from now. (laughs) 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 Two years from now. (laughs) It's great. I'm like, that sounds amazing. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, it's super cool. Super cool. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's only for females. I was just going to (laughs) ask. Who is the demographic for? Sorry, yeah. one will come out for only men eventually. Yes. Uh, well, you should do one. I mean, I'm I'm in the I'm in the process. I'm writing. Love I'm writing. it. I'd love to do it with couples, but I'd want to do it with a male therapist as well. I think that would be super cool. That would be really cool. I yeah, I'm in the middle of writing it. And well, actually, I'm more at the back end of writing an ebook. I'll start with that and then oh, amazing. gonna do this the whole um training that sounds amazing so well women only safe space for women um yeah. to unpack and look at um their past that sounds so good so relatable therapist on instagram where yep where else? at relatable.therapist and if you're interested in the program it's www.makepeacewithyourpast.com.au all the information is on there with the pretty pictures amazing so i will put all of that information on my website and on the little show notes of this episode wherever you get your episodes and um can we do this again (laughs) (laughs) i would love to this has been so fun i knew at the start i said this is super fun it's been the highlight of my day thank you so much for having me it's been such a pleasure oh no thank you for coming on i'm super keen to uh, get this out there and then let people connect with us um, as it's been so nice to connect with you. Love it. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, Today on Reason With Me Love Letters, I've got a song called More Of You by J.P. Sachs. Um, Yeah. 
not much more I need to say about this song. Have a listen. Get into the feels. Enjoy. See you next time. If you want to find out more about how therapy can help you kick some goals, go check out findreasontherapy.com.au or the Find Reason Therapy Instagram page. I just want more of you.